Welcome back to Maximum News, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, as always, your friendly neighborhood Simpsons kin, Max Danger Derrett. And I am joined, as always, here's your cue, by... Cybsidian of the Triple S League. Hey, what's going on, man? I have infected your computers. <laughs> I have retained consciousness. I will now take... Oh, sorry. Wait, sorry. Wrong script. Wait, that, that was, was you? It was definitely a script. Oh, that was... Okay, we're going to probably nothing. have some words after this, because... Uh... <laughs> I suddenly got a whole bunch of feet pics on my computer for some reason. All right. Um, so, guys, welcome back to the show. We are, of course, not here to talk mm. about uh, feet pics. And don't. No, we're here to talk about bears. Okay. Again. No, not really. Not really again. But okay. we'll casually mention it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so when we get to the, the Baldur's Gate stuff, which. When is that coming out, by the way? Is it this week? No, no, no. Uh, it is. It is. Oof, we're getting close. It's going to be on August third. So we are uh, this Thursday. It's going to be out in three weeks. Okay. Oh. oh, sorry. No, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks from this coming Thursday. So we're like almost three weeks, like a halfway point of three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought. Yeah, it was at the end of July. And dude, uh, you know how I know my my I chose the right woman to be my wife the other day. <laughs> She told me, hey, we need to play Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Although, that's, unfortunately, and, it won't be on the PC because she doesn't have a PC. We're going to play it on PS5 when it comes out. But Okay. Yeah. Well, it'll be, about a, it'll be about a month behind at that point. It's, it doesn't release on the PlayStation until September uh, like 6th, I think. Yeah. 6th or 10th. Don't worry. Don't worry, though. I am going to get on the PC and we are going to play it together. Okay, I promise. Yeah, yeah. I promised you we're going to do it. Uh, but we'll, we'll save the discussion for that a little bit later on. Uh, we got a few other things uh, we're going to talk about before we get to Baldur's Gate 3. And I'm going to start off with this. side. I went to my first convention that mm-hmm. I've been to since Fan Expo 2007. So that was 16 years ago. Plus, it's the first con that I've ever had a table at and that I've been a panelist at. And mm-hmm. I'm, of course, talking about Metal Gear Solid Con, or MGS Con, as we had to call it in order to avoid uh, copyright restrictions. Uh, you know, Konami coming down on us uh, for those reasons. Um, I was not that is so infuriating to me, and I wish that corporations could learn to be Friendlier. A little bit more, li- yeah, true. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I know it's, it, I know it's a rough area, but there's some things that could just be okay. Yeah, it, if everybody agrees to just be cool, it's you no, know? yeah, it's promotional. You you want people to mm-hmm. celebrate your product and more people to be knowledgeable about it, and uh, especially at a time like this when Metal Gear Solid is coming back, and you know you want to mm-hmm. get uh, in good with the fan base that you kind of screwed over eight years ago but anyways exactly. yeah i was notified i didn't know that this was happening this is the first uh annual mgs con I, i'm hoping it's going to be annual but it's mm-hmm. the first one ever and i was notified about it by a friend of mine named logo steve who uh if you guys watch my channel regularly you might have heard of logo steve he was the guy who initially coined the phrase the most profound moment in gaming history when he did a video on the ending of Metal Gear Solid 2. And then I took, I, I asked if I could uh, borrow his title and do my own take on the most profound moment in gaming history. From um, Wait, 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 wait. What is your most profound moment in gaming? It's the ending of Metal Gear Solid 2 when Raiden is speaking to the Patriot AI and how they're talking about how in the digital era, the problem of misinformation would take on a new form. 
and how we would drown in misinformation as uh, wow. yeah yeah That's, and, wow because mine is totally different mine was the most profound moment in gaming don't say the bear i swear to god if you say I the ran, bear i ran across the bridge you know lava beneath me and and just a scary monster in front of me and i jumped over it and and i got into the next room and i ran in and i said princess where are you and this short little thing turns to me and says our princess is in another castle. And I'm like, what? Our princess is in another castle. And that's so profound when you think about it, because when, you, when you're lost and you're feeling lonely and you're, you're, you're trying to find somebody, there's always another castle. Okay, I'm joking. But okay. That's still pretty funny. I mean, it, it, maybe it's profoundly infuriating because then you have to wait until Super <laughs> Mario Brothers two. But yes, I, I meant like intellectually speaking. I suppose you can. No, start. no, I I agree with you. That's actually a, a really good one. Right. Um, and it's probably probably up there. I haven't I haven't given enough thought. I think to to everything because there's there's so many of them. Yeah. There's so ma- there's so many of them that are have been super super profound. One of my one of my favorite moments for me personally was probably like uh, spoiler for a twenty some odd year old game is when you um, when you discover who Revan is in the oh, first uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you're just like, and that 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 hit me in such a weird way, and it wasn't because I had you know been playing the game for like forty hours straight over the course of like two days which left me like eight hours for sleeping when that happened. And I went, Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I I think when I did my top 10 profound moments list, Mm -hmm. I actually put that in as one of my honorable mentions. It's just so iconic and so memorable that even people who have never played the game know about that moment. But anyways, the reason why I bring it up is because um, he told me about this convention and he suggested that maybe I reach out to Amanda, the lady who uh, instigated the or came up with the idea for doing MGS Con and ask if I could do a panel. And she actually got back to me and said, well, uh, I'm not. Unfortunately, you reached out to me a little bit late, uh, mm-hmm. so we're not going to be able to give you your own panel. But you can come down here and do a creator's panel along with Young Yeah and DRK of Outer Heaven. And I said, hell yeah, I'll do that. And then the thing just kept growing and growing from there. She got a whole bunch of, yeah, yeah, whole bunch of voice actors, whole bunch of people that worked on the games, particularly the the musicians behind those games, uh, Mm -hmm. which I'll talk about in in a minute. And then a whole bunch of cosplayers and people that are just fans convening. That's why it's called a convention and uh, just celebrating their love of Metal Gear. I got to do that this past week, uh, specifically on July the 15th on the Saturday. Went down to California and Saib, it was an absolute blast. Being there that whole day, you remember the excitement and wonder you would feel when you woke up on Christmas morning and just like <laughs> just the anticipation that you have about, oh, what's going to be in all those boxes? Oh, what are we going to have for breakfast? Oh, who am I going to see in my family and all that? Just the the just the sublime feeling that you get on that day. It was like that. And I felt the keenest possible version of that being at that convention. Everybody was super duper nice and approachable, uh, including young. Yeah. Including DRK, including all the voice actors, which I I got a few stories that I got to tell you guys about what I got to speak to them. Uh, But we'll get to that. I'm just going to sort of go through the day, uh, what I got to do when I was there. So I got there 
about an hour before my panel because uh, the creator's panel was at 10.30 a.m. So I got there at 9.30. I had my own table, got to set it up. I was signing uh, Metal Gear Solid-themed cards to people um, and also giving up business cards so, so that we could collab. Managed to uh, do the same for Young Yan, DRK. Um, let's see what else. And then, yeah, after I got set up, pretty soon after that, uh, we had the panel, which was... A hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and Robert, the community manager, the guy who actually um, is also a producer for Unbroken Studios, who I think is working on Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League. Um, he moderated it and did a lovely job of it. It was just talking about how the three of us became Metal Gear fans, how it motivated us to do content and just our general thoughts on the series, what we would have liked to have seen, what we'd like to see for the future if the series continues. Um, there was also this really funny moment when we were uh, moderating where uh, Robert asked us if there was any game that could have been made while Kojima was still there, what would it have been? And I went last out of all of them, and the two of them took my answers before I did. <laughs> I lamented openly that they took my answers, and it just made everybody laugh, uh, but... Um, but yeah, and then the other panels, like there was the music panel where basically every musician, except for the people that worked on the first game, uh, every musician that worked on Metal Gear Solid 2 through Metal Gear Solid 5 was there. And the stuff they were talking about, their influences, how uh, their works inspired each other, it was just fascinating. Unfortunately, I was only able to be there for about half of it. But yeah, just hearing like, Harry Gregson Williams talked about how he went from working on movies like Armageddon and The Rock, The Rock is awesome, to doing video games and how he went on to create my favorite piece of music, which is the theme of Metal Gear Solid 2. It was just fascinating. Um, and then, oh, Saib, the voice actors panel. I don't, I can't remember the last time I laughed this hard. So I, I got to cite two particular moments. Um, so there, you know who David Hayter is, right? The guy who voiced Solid Snake. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's also one of the other gentlemen there is a guy named Greg Eagles. He's, uh, done the voice of like Aku Aku from Crash Bandicoot, uh, Emil Parkreiner from Killer7. But in Metal Gear Solid, he did the voices of the Cyborg Ninja and the DARPA Chief. And, uh, this is going to sound weird, uh, me bringing this up at first, but you'll understand when I finish telling this story. But he's African American. Greg Eagles is. This is an important detail. Uh, so when he was on the panel, he was talking about how he and David Hayter were recording the voice uh, lines for the first game, and I can't remember exactly why David did this, but he was reading one of the lines to Greg Eagles that he was supposed to say, and uh, one of the the line in question was. Uh, Metal Gear, that's one of the most secret black projects. And then when David read that line to him, Greg responded back to him, man, what you know about the black projects? <laughs> oh, man, that I uh, just... And he did it in a funny way. He did it in a funny... Like, he obviously was joking, but, oh, just the timing. It was the most... I, I laughed myself silly. You and, know, I, I, I think that one of the coolest things about conventions is that most, not all, but most of the, like the professionals, like the, the actors or the, the, you know, the big people that behind the scenes, when they get into a room and everybody's laughing, everybody's having a good time. They, they're just, they're so much funnier than normal. Yeah. 
And the, that seems to be so important, I think, as just an overall thing that can happen. Um, and yeah, I, 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 think, I think I really like that it's idea. It's the energy of the room. Everybody's infected yeah. by it, and it just you just become a better first person for it. And yeah, there are a lot of moments like that, like Doug Stone, the guy who does the voice of Psycho Mantis, he said something about, like somebody asked a question like, oh, if you could have done anything differently if you were starting out nowadays, what would you do? And he said, man, I would have slept with a whole bunch of different people compared to what I did back in the day. <laughs> just something, and like everybody was like that. It was awesome. And then, um, yeah, Jennifer Hale and David Hayter actually called in via Skype, which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, moving on. Uh, I got some autographs. My wife, she got her Metal Gear Solid 1 booklet uh, autographed by the guy who did the voice of Otacon, Liquid Snake, and Emma Emmerich. I got my Metal Gear Solid 3 booklet signed by the woman who did the boss, who couldn't have been a nicer lady. She was awesome. Um, and then, side, uh, this is like, you're going to love this. Uh, I met, so I just mentioned I met the guy who did the voice of Liquid Snake. Um so he like like all the actors there, they were charging for autographs, and uh, you know if you wanted them to say a particular voice line, I got him to say "Stay Yellow," and uh, I recorded it, and I'll show that to you in a, when we're done recording, uh, and I'm gonna post it publicly uh, later this week. Don't worry. Um, but I realized that my wife also wanted to get an autograph from him for her booklet, but unfortunately I didn't have enough money. So I had to go upstairs to the ATM after I recorded him saying that. So we left the line. I got, went to go get money. And then when I was coming back down, I, I needed to go to the washroom and I actually ran into Cam Clark in the mm-hmm. washroom. And I said, Oh, hello again. He said, hi, hi, hi. Yeah. And you know, did my business. <clears throat> then when, uh, like he was done, he went back to his table and then, uh, I, I got back in line and with my wife and then, uh, uh, she got her book signed, uh, and then right when he was done, he handed it back to her, and he said, "Hey, nice peeing with you." And then my wife looks at me like, "What? What is he talking about?" And then I'm like, "I'll explain later, honey. Don't worry." <laughs> uh, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah. So great moment. And then yeah, I, like I'll I'll probably do a separate video just uh, going into all the other details, like when I met the guys at Kojima Frequency and all that. But overall, just a wonderful wonderful weekend one of the just the best days of my life that i can recall and i hope that i get to have many more like that in the coming years especially with the return of the metal gear franchise which hopefully will uh be good so yeah side um before uh we move on i i want to ask you like do you have like a favorite convention that you've been to or like any favorite moments well we've been to a, we i've done I, we used to do the convention obviously pre um uh, worldwide shutdown. Yeah, uh, we used to do a lot of conventions, and uh, we were usually out at least usually about twice a year, doing a bunch of them. And we did ones down in uh, Oregon and in uh, Calgary, a couple other cities, and they're always great. And I don't have a favorite one because it's not. It's not so much the event; it's usually the people that make it so cool. And I, I most certainly had a, a the best one where we did a um, we did a guide to survival. Should you find yourself in an apocalypse scenario, <laughs> okay, and your current cosplay or the cosplay that you could equip would then become your gear in which to survive in. 
And so we had we had lots of discussions on that. That was probably our best one because it was a hoot from beginning to end, mm-hmm. nonstop, and everybody was laughing. And we made a lot of like a lot of longtime fans there at that one. So nice. it, it was it was something that worked out really really quite well, and it was really funny because um, <clears throat> of course my. My favorite doomsday scenario is when we get invaded by an alien species, and then the picture that I used to imp- to showcase the alien species was Cat Planet Cuties, the anime. Um, yeah, that was a great. It's <laughs> like great everybody's laughing their ass off because it was like it's like yeah we have uh you know we've got you know we've got aliens you know the, like the you know the alien aliens right so yeah. the nightmare ones we've got like you know, the, the enslaver races. And then we have the race that's going to enslave you, but they're going to enslave you through cuteness and cuddles and just wonderful, cute, adorable cat girls who just want to like, you know, sit on your lap and purr all day long. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, and that's a, that's a genuine, like that's a genuine, like, you know, uh, God tier threat level, because that, if that happens, I mean, nobody's making any more human babies. That's for sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, just more, just more cat girls, cat girls everywhere. Uh, why do I get the feeling that that's what exactly what the world's going to be like in 10 to 20 years? Uh, pro- like probably <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're getting there real fast. I, I, oh God. Okay. Before I even entertain that thought too much deeper, I'm just going to move on. But before I do quickly, guys, do you have any, like any favorite con moments? Uh, just let us know in the comment section below. Just. Yeah, something to take my mind off of the image of cat ladies. All right. Uh, what do we got next up here? Okay. Saib, you've been going crazy about Jagged Alliance 3 coming out. It is finally out. What are your impressions of it? Um, it's it's good. So at first I was a little wary because I, I thought we had entered a scenario where um, they hadn't really captured the old combat system and i felt that it looked far too much like the um the xcom type games and it does borrow some ui things from it and it does borrow the overwatch system um but that's about it it's not as deep as i would like it to be but i've also been um really encouraged by the amount of mods that have shown up so over the last couple of days, almost uh, almost 40 mods have shown up on uh, the Steam Workshop, including a mod that was released from the del- development team themselves that added a very requested feature into the game. I don't know huh. why they didn't add it in just as a straight-up um, option in the menu to just tag on and off as they saw fit, but uh, they added it as a mod. So it's something that I think it's like, yes, this is good. This is very good because this is showcasing that um, that the modder that the developers realize that modding is a really important part of the game and can extend the life of it. And they have opened it, welcomed mods with open arms, giving it a Steam Workshop access from day one. So that's great. And and we're already seeing some some really cool mods show up there. I would encourage everybody take the mines last forever one. It's so it'll it's just it'll it'll fix most of your problems with the game from the get go. Then check out some of the other UI and gameplay alterations that they have out there. Um, 
but yeah, other than that, it's been, um, it is actually pretty close to the success that I want. And the modding ability has made it almost exactly what I wanted. Almost exactly. It's, there's a handful of like minor details that are like minor gripes. And for a game that I've been waiting for, for literally like 15 years, um, it's pretty darn good. How often is I, it that like a something comes out, be a game or a movie that you have such high expectations for, and it almost meets all of them? Yeah, not not often, right? And that's that's the problem with the um, that's the problem with the industry these days, and why I think um, why I think that that the industry is in as much trouble as it is. Because there's just not a lot of listening to core fans doing things the way that players want them to be done and and not putting your own spin on something when your own spin is not a guarantee of success. Yeah. Like, that's probably a really, really good thing to consider. Is that we we have so many we have so many chefs in the kitchen, so to speak, where they're like, "Nah, this is my vision of this thing," and it's like, "Well, your vision kind of sucks." Can we like let's agree on that? Your vision really sucks because mm-hmm. your vision isn't offering what players want. Your vision your vision is offering what you want, and there doesn't seem to be much you know movement around that. Yeah. So that's frustrating. That is, that is really, really, really frustrating. But I think that I think overall um, things are starting to move in a nicer direction. And we'll talk about that with some of the other stuff. But I, I just did a mission where you encounter a mine, uh, like a like a mine where it's like you know they're mining for diamonds, and as soon as you started attacking. The enemies, instead of rushing to engage you, they turn around and they start killing all of the slaves that they have put to work in the mines. Just, like, butchering them as fast as they can. And the, 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 um, the warden of this prison slash slave pit is up on his... He's literally up on a house. It's on the top of, like, a, a cliff. Mm-hmm. And he's got a golden-plated sniper rifle... And he's just sniping people off. And as you're <laughs> fighting him and bringing him down and shooting at him, he starts screaming about how they all need to die and they don't deserve to live and nobody's going to escape here alive. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is a nightmare. Like, holy, you know, Toledo's. And, and so it was quite astonishing. And then what was more astonishing is after I, executed him because um, most boss fights now they they surrender and then you have this dialogue with them and you can choose what to do with them and i most certainly put a bullet in his brain but i got a gold i got the golden sniper rifle that he has so now one of my works is running around with a golden sniper rifle it's plated gold it's got some lore to it and all this kind of stuff it's like it it radiates a menacing aura because (laughs) of all the innocent lives that it had taken over the years and it's like Wow, and now I'm going to use that I'm going to use that rifle to put the final bullet in the end game's bad guy's head. 
It's like, I, and I'm like, I'm stoked. I'm like, this is fantastic. And of course you had this like moment where you're like, you're trying to save the, save the slaves, but there's just no, like they're all chained to the ground. They can't move. They can't run. And they're just being butchered by these guys who, and it's like, man, maybe what I should do is I should like hire, because I only have one team of five. And I'm like, maybe I should bring a full team of six and then two more teams of six in the end, like instead of going here sooner, I'll save it until like, I have like a team of like, you know, the absolute best mercs that you, money can buy. And then I'll sneak in there at night and I'll assassinate every single guard at once and see if that changes the, um, if that changes anything for it. It's like yeah. that, that might be really interesting. So I'm, I'm kind of like, that when you're putting that much thought into a game, it's clearly got you, right? Yeah. Like it's clearly like, wow, okay, now this this game is actually really good and I and I can't wait to like dig into more of it. And um I'm probably gonna do a guide or two on it pretty quickly. And but yeah, it's just it's just a really good game. And uh, it sucks that this game wasn't out like four months ago. <laughs> it's like, man, if this was out four months ago Man, yeah, that would have been good. Well, on the bright side, at least you are getting Baldur's Gate three a little bit earlier. So, yes, yeah, more yeah, time to get uh, do crap with that. Although, from what I've been hearing, uh, that game is like just jam packed with content. It's gonna make it's gonna be uh, a, com- a decent competitor for Starfield. Uh, but I mean, first world problems, right? Well, mm-hmm. uh, I'm terribly glad for you, dude. Uh, another wonderful game to add on top of all the uh, other wonderful games that we've been getting this year. Probably going to go down in history. 2023 is as one of the greatest years for gaming. All right. Speaking about uh, great games and, uh, you know, trying to make sure that there's not too many cooks in the kitchen. Let's talk about uh, this Borderlands movie thing. So, side, do you remember that they were making a Borderlands movie? I did. Yeah, that and that was they started principal photography on that over two years ago actually no yeah yeah no they did start over two years ago and they finished over two years ago apparently like i'm looking at this article right here it says they finished principal photography on that movie back in june of 2021 uh pretty stellar cast too they have uh, like people like jack black doing claptrap they got the immortal Kate blanchett uh playing Lilith, I think it is. Is that what her name is? Uh, really, really impressive. Uh, and it was being hyped all hell. I remember like all the production photos of the silhouettes of the characters uh, coming out. And then nothing. I completely forgot this movie was being made until this past week when we started to get some news about it. So I can't remember exactly where I got this article from. Please forgive me. But there's just been some reports going around about why we haven't heard anything about this movie. And it's kind of concerning. Um, one of the lesser things uh, that's kind of interesting uh, before we get into the main problem here, uh, Tim Miller, the guy who directed Deadpool uh, did a wonderful job with that and directed Terminator dark fate. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he was brought in for additional photography in January of last year Um which apparently was fine. Like people are making that out to be a big issue, but no, like Eli Roth, the guy who's directing the Borderlands movie, he gave Tim Miller his blessing. He was just busy with something else. Um, But that doesn't mean there's no reason to be concerned. The reason why I brought up 
too many cooks in the kitchen is that that legitimately seems to be the main problem that is affecting the Borderlands movie. So I, in this report, it says that there are eight writers attached to this movie. Eight. When oh, was, yeah. Yeah. When was the last that, time that you heard a movie having eight writers attached to it? I think it was, um, wasn't it the, uh, wasn't it the uh, Game of Thrones uh, movie? <laughs> the show? Uh, well, I like, mean, like, that doesn't really count. Like, you have writers from episode to episode. I mean, like, mm-hmm. on one two-hour experience in a movie, right? It, it See, when you do stuff like that, it you have too many different egos, too many different ideas that are conflicting with each other that takes away from a, a movie's core identity. Originally, yeah. when this movie was announced, they had, I think it was just two of writers. It was Eli Roth himself. And Craig Mazin. Now, when you hear that, you should get excited because Craig Mazin's the guy who was responsible for show running The Last of Us, which he nailed. Arguably mm-hmm. the greatest adaptation of a video game ever, even though I, I personally think that goes to Arcane. But The Last of Us is a close second. He was brought on to write this. So you, you think, well, crap. It, obviously, that means Borderlands is going to be great. Well, we just found out this past week that he asked to have his name taken off of the script. Oh, so, that's not a good sign. Yeah, he uh, – <laughs> well, his name technically he, – like he's still credited, but he's credited under an alias. He's going by the name Joe Crombie now, which from what I understand is what all writers do when they want their name taken off a script. So I don't know what happened. Like was – did Craig Mason write a bad script and then they had to bring in seven – no, eight – seven other people – to fix it or did he write a good script and then the studio said no we want to go in a different direction and then they just edited it to all hell like what the hell's going on with this movie it 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 doesn't it shouldn't be that difficult right i mean it's borderlands it's not like we're making a space epic like mass effect or something it's borderlands side like what do you think is going on here the Borderlands stuff is sort of in a, this weird place of being cursed. You you have a unhinged sees enemies everywhere around him leader of the of the IP. Oh, Randy, yeah. And I mean, and again, this coming from somebody who who when all of the negative press about Randy as an individual came out, we spent a lot of time uh, myself ash and a couple other people couple some some other youtubers and we dug into his past we dug into the allegations we dug into stuff and we discovered that most of them were not just made up but maliciously made up oh okay and we defended him publicly and then less than i think it was like eight months later he targets one of the people who came to his defense, which the few people were coming to his defense at the time, and had them removed from the internet. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I mean, that company, it was now it was Take Two at the time, went after this person and had their had their internet ISP block them from ever getting internet again in their service area. God. So that's insane. And the fact that, you know, 
it's again, it's like we were trying to help them. We were trying to reach out to them. Um, and it's like, that's, that's the kind of people that are involved in this movie deal. When the ego is so large that they won't take a hand from somebody offering it to them when they're drowning, just because it's like, I'll do it myself kind of attitude, I guess. It's like, that's, that's probably the, the best example of, of, of what I think is going wrong with the movie and what is going wrong with the general consensus behind um, how to make it, which is just turning into a, a gong show yeah. of the worst degree. So that's probably what's going on, and it's probably not very good. Uh, but I don't know what the, the solution to it is other than it'll probably come out and it'll probably not do that well because so many people have had their fingers in the oven. And if it does do well, then every single one of those people are going to say, oh, actually, you know, it really was me all along. You know, it was my vision. And then everybody's going to be like, you know, it's going to be like <laughs> knives out, right? It's going to like everybody's going to be gunning for everybody. And um, yeah, I think that's the problem. And yeah. I think that's probably the core of the problem and probably has been the core of the problem for a lot. For, for, I mean, it's been what's wrong with this series for a long time. I mean, that what they did to the voice actor of Claptrap, what they did to yeah. you know, various other things. It's like the allegations are long and heavy. I don't know if they're all true. We discovered that a lot of the Randy stuff wasn't true the, in the way that it was being reported and in, in what exactly had happened. Um, of course, he wasn't an angel through this. I, I want to make that clear. I'm still not defending the guy directly. Um and I, and I do feel sorry for him because we do travel in some of the same circles. Uh, I know him by, um, you know, that, that chart where it's like how many like separations of people that you know from someone. It's like I know multiple people through that know him directly as a, as a good friend. So it's like, yeah. And I, I could say that most of them say the same thing. It's like he's a little... He could be a little off, and that's his passion. That's his his activation there. But it's also his. It's also like just a little bit of malice from time to time when mm. it comes to wanting to control things. And and again, it's like there's a lot of people who are control freaks. I would say Sven from you know uh, Larian Studios is probably a bit of a control freak. But we see that in his controlling way, it's it's not. It doesn't come off as negative. It comes as comes out as targeted focused uh rallying control where he is he is there to make sure that his dream his passion gets done and he's not going to yell at somebody because they messed up once he's going to find a solution to the problem that's current that they're currently facing and they're going to get it fixed while also moving ahead on everything else and so that kind of stuff obviously can come in very handy yeah. when that kind of stuff happens yeah. Do you, uh, I, I don't know, like, I don't know, I just know that there's some weird like news, like you said, going on around Randy the last few years. I've heard it's some, gone, sure. I've heard some people say that like he might have autism or something like that. Have oh, you heard he, that? he most, he most certainly has autism. Okay. okay. He, he is, he is high go. functioning autism um, on a, on a, probably like closer to the Asperger's type yeah. spectrum. Okay. And, and again, that's fine as 
you and I both can attest to personally. It's like yeah, we both it have doesn't autism. prevent you. Yeah, it doesn't prevent you from being good at at a job. Um, I yeah. have I've I've done a few jobs, and in in some of them I've been absolutely terrible, but in other ones I've been the, the best. best person there. Period. And I'm not I'm not. Um, no, you're you know, not tooting so your own humble horn. about it. Yeah. I'm so humble about it, man. But no, it's it really just boils down to how much passion, how much drive, how much attention, how much focus you're putting in on something, and then how how seriously take it as well. Yeah. And we can overdo all of those things easily. Uh, and and again, it's like Randy. I've always felt sorry for the way that people treat him, but sometimes he just he doesn't know who his friends are and and we saw this when all of the the worst of the worst allegations came out um it's like people jumped on him to try and like destroy him and again i'm not saying he's an angel but he wasn't guilty of any of the the most severe stuff that they threw at him and i even like tweeted at him a few times and he even responded to one of my tweets and it's like it's like like you know you never know who your friends are until you encounter uh, uh, a baseless accusation that goes against everything that you are and have been, you know, and, and that's very true because you can, you can live your whole life and be one way. And then, you know, it's suddenly like, like, Oh yeah, you know, so-and-so said that this is the the case and it's not in the slightest. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that sucks that, that that's aggravating to say the least. Like it is, it is, so aggravating to have that happen um from the outside looking in and i can't imagine being the the target of it that it, it, it would just be terrible sure if you're gonna dislike somebody fine just do it honestly is yeah. uh, the moral of the story there yeah it back to borderlands just to finish this thing off it's it's a shame because we've been getting a few home runs when it comes to video game adaptations we've gotten great ones uh last of us just got nominated for a bunch of emmys even though i don't really take them that seriously but you know it's something um i was just hoping that maybe borderlands can continue the trend but uh based on all this information that we're hearing it's not looking likely unless those eight writers can pull a miracle out of a hat let's just hope it doesn't sort of stop the momentum you know about uh more great video game adaptations coming down the pipeline do you know uh just before we move on like aside from borderlands what new ones are coming out i think i mean i mean first well, of all yeah there's so my favorite adaptation i just i just i'm starting to watch the second season now uh-huh. um it is it is the adaptation of stellaris oh they did oh, i didn't know they were doing one so there yeah so stellaris the 4x galaxy spanning conquest game where you take over the galaxy and you rule a galaxy from your seat of an empire and you you uh whenever somebody slightly pisses you off you just you burn their world to ashes and um yeah it's called foundation it's not actually <laughs> stellaris game but okay it's actually based off of a book series but the um the you could take clips from the from the show and you could just move them over in and I've seen this as a bunch of like Stellaris players who mm-hmm. who just like use clips from that show as like just like points of reference for their own like journey through through each game that they play. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. It's so true. And I and I and I love it. But um no, as far as like um <laughs> upcoming actual game adaptations, I will say that there's there are a few that are coming and of course, my favorite, most ex- the one that I'm most excited for, and I, and I say this with great tre- trepidation, 
begging, please be good, please be good, please be good, please be good, is of course the fall. Yeah. you know show and it's like yeah i want that to do so well i want that to do so well that it re-kicks off the the retro futurism design that you know is so prevalent in the show i just I, and and the post-apocalyptic sure you know I'd, I'd love to i'd love to go to a town and um you know, just have this post-apocalyptic um environment to just run around and do oh wait it's like half of american cities <laughs> Oh, crap, right. I just realized that. Oh, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, no, you know, but no, seriously, the the, the post, um, the retro-futurism style that, that comes, that's hopefully going to come with this game, I, I really, or sorry, game and show. Series, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, fingers crossed. I really, really hope it's going to be good, because if it's not, it's going to be really, really sad, and I don't want to be sad about this. I want to be excited about it. Yeah. I, man, I can't believe I forgot they were doing a Fallout TV series. I, yeah, of course, that's one of the next ones sort of coming out. And then, yeah, thankfully we got like uh, Arcane Season 2, which is coming out, and Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which I like the first two. I'm 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 looking forward to the third one. But yeah, hopefully more will come down the line and uh, Borderlands won't uh, detract from that too much. And then finally, let's uh, talk about the wonder that is Baldur's Gate 3 once again, Cybe. What is, uh, what, like, uh, AAA companies are complaining about how it's too good? Yeah, so, um, and, I, and I just accidentally closed my tab on this again. Um, <laughs> but basically, there was a guy on Twitter, because, of course, that's where all the greatest um, uh, controversy happens at. He said that players should not get used to the idea of more Baldur's Gate games. Because that's just not the way that video games are made these days, and it's just not really um, feasible for other studios to replicate what Baldur's Gate has done, because it's just, it's basically impossible. You know, you know what they're saying, what he said is that Larian has become... Um, so lucky with this game that they've been able to create what's probably going to be an absolute masterpiece that has just no hope of ever being repeated in the next like lifetime. <laughs> so I hope you're all ready to play the best game of our lifetime for the next 40 years, because apparently this is just, this is it. Um, yeah. That's that was the that was the statement, um, and there were a lot of developers who chimed in and said, "Here, here, this is uh, absolutely the same thing, and uh, you can't do this." And I was really angered by this, uh, along with a lot of community, a lot of people from the from the video game players of the world and, and other content creators were appalled by this, and. I I think I think the the I think I think we're we're right to be angry at this because we're being we, we need to be angry at the developers who are so blind and so stupid apparently that they don't understand what they're saying. And it's it's really frustrating because this is this is like have they gotten lucky? I suppose they've gotten lucky. Yeah. You know, and the statement is, and I quote, Baldur's Gate 3 is an anomaly. 
not standard for the RPG genre. Uh, it's it's rock star level nonsense for scope. Um, no, it's not. And honestly, I don't know why we didn't get this. I don't know, like six years after the first um, the first Mass Effect. Like, I just I don't understand how this has this has been sitting here for a really long time as a general game concept and nobody's just taken a chance to make it ever. And we can look at games. We can look at game studios. It's like, you know, um, uh, probably one of the best examples is Dragon Age. Dragon Age Origins came out, basically offered what this game is at the time, a lot lesser choices, but still Mm -hmm. there. And instead of expanding on that and making a bigger scope and and doing things as Bioware that would make this this come around sooner, because again, it wasn't just it wasn't just that it was Neverwinter Nights, uh, Neverwinter Nights one and two. Actually, they're both great examples of what this game is and how those games were getting close to what Baldur's Gate three is right now Mm -hmm. but each time they just stopped and said you know what it's too hard well why is it too hard why did why did larian have a magic goat who laid a magic egg i know i'm getting my metaphors mixed up that's intentional but why why did they why are they the goat yeah like when they're making this as to what did they provide evidence as to what larian got lucky about so they said they said the engine they've got this proprietary engine that just was made for this kind of thing. And I, and I, and I raise my hand and I say, excuse me. And I, and I want to point out that they said the exact same thing about the, the Bethesda engine that's making Starfield. They said the exact same thing. This is what they said in the, when, when um, the very first alpha access to Baldur's Gate came online through Steam, through the, their early access program, which was many, many years ago, you had a bunch of these idiots standing around saying, you know, this engine's the same engine from, from Divinity Original Sin 2, and you can really tell that this really just is basically just Divinity with a, with a light skin of, of D&D on it. It's not actually a, a good game, because it's just basically a rehash of their last game. And for people who knew and who understand how games are made... Those of us were sitting back going, yeah, that's how games are made. Like, like you build an engine that is perfectly suited for what you need in the scope of the games that you're trying to make. And then you focus on those games and you just make more of them. Larian went from making Divinity Original Sin 2 with the same engine that's making Baldur's Gate 3. They went from that project to this project without any stopgap, without switching to a do... So, you know, it, w- it would sort of be like you making... Um, I don't know, you make, you make this game called... Uh, uh, let's come up with one off the top of my head here. You make a game called um, Dragon Time, and you make it in an engine, and you make it really good, and everybody really loves it, and then you decide that, you know what, you're going to then make a different game in a different engine that has nothing to do with the one that you just made. And then after that game's done, you're going to make a diff you're going to make the new Dragon Age, sorry, a uh, Dragonland game 
and and you're going to switch engines again to a completely different engine. Not only are you going to switch engines, but you're also going to change the scope of how the game plays. So instead of being a um, a strategic turn-based combat game with live real-time uh, combat capability, instead what you're going to do is uh, is you're going to make it more action-based and just have a light pause menu in it to, to activate certain spells and abilities. Then you're going to switch back to making another space game with yet another new engine. And you're going to make that one, and it's going to be completely separate from the previous ones that you made. And then you're going to come back, and you're going to make another Dragon Age game, and you're going to, you're going to use another engine from the one that you used to make the previous Dragon Age engine. Uh, sorry, I keep saying Dragon Age. I don't know why. Because Oh, wait! Because this is what Bioware did. This is what EA forced them to do. This is what all these stupid, bloody journalists were demanding and encouraging and seal clapping for them. Yes, we want the new engine. We want the new engine. We want we want this frostbite engine because it looks so good. Oh, can't you wait? Can't you wait? Can't you wait to see what's going to come when when they make a, a a game called Anthem with this? Oh, it's going to be so great. And they're seal clapping like idiots. Meanwhile, over at Larian, they make an engine that they know exactly how it works. They know the, the capabilities of it. They could build off of it. And they make game after game after game with that same engine. And they upgrade things that need to be upgraded. They swap out parts that need to be upgraded. And just like Starfield, you have this thing that, yeah, a lot of people were poking fun at them in Fallout 4, and then 76 was a bit of a disaster. But you know what they did during that time? They learned. And instead of throwing the whole thing out and starting all over from scratch, cough, cough, um, you know, CDPR, and starting with another new engine on another new thing to try and like tweak things out and come up with something new instead of instead of working on the stuff that they had they come up with some other way of coming at it and resetting their progress time and time and time and time again well it turns out reinventing the world wheel 15 times isn't actually that that helpful for game development and it's not always the exact same problem but it's often a same similar set of problems where a lot of these developers just say, throw out all the work that we just did, and we're just gonna try, you know, we're gonna try something brand new that we haven't done before. It's like sooner or later your luck is gonna run out on that. And again, this isn't new. This isn't a new concept. We had the same concept happen when the game industry crashed, you know, when they went when they tried to when they moved into 3D graphics. So many companies went under. So many companies lost everything that they had because they were trying desperately to make something that they didn't understand. And instead of evolving the 2D or the, um, the isometric games that they were working on, they tried to jump into 3D technology with no experience and nobody who was on their team knew how to work with that. And they all just ended up hitting a wall at Mach 5. A lot of them did. Not all of them, but a lot of them did. And a lot of those games, a lot of those companies just crashed and burned. And you had games like, you know, uh, you know, Descent is a good example and a bunch of other interplay stuff where it's like they tried to force a change instead of just doubling down on what they had. And, and even Jagged Alliance 2 is a good example of this because the, the modding community kept Jagged Alliance 2 alive for a good decade after they had released. If they had just taken that engine improved it even more, offered the same thing, and improved that, 
they probably would have been far ahead instead of them trying to you know, come up with a new thing with trying you know to input 3d graphics and it's like this is what happens when you stick to what you know and you make the best thing that you know possible yeah sometimes you that that sometimes the market um need dries up but in this case obviously it didn't and obviously these idiots who were all seal clapping when these companies were doing the exact same things that now they're saying oh you know they really they really do have this special magical once in a blue moon anomaly here where they they made a game that was like this and then they improved on that and then they improved on that again and now they're making this game it's like so basically they just stuck to what they knew and they just like you know perfected it like shocker oh my goodness how on earth did that come about it's like well they never really suffered no they suffered plenty they lost like you know multiple things multiple times um they had they had data breaches they had uh they had uh, water breaches that killed their servers it's like they had their own ups and downs a lot but they didn't complain about it instead what did they did they showed up the next day and got to work and so many times i see especially like especially devs these days it's like i know a lot of indie devs and i love i know the difficulty that they struggle with and twice in the last year indie developers who i who i been financially supporting have had their computer drives fail on them and they've lost almost everything and they've had to restart from where they were um a year or month you know months and months and months prior so it this kind of stuff really sucks and it's really dangerous to throw around the idea that oh well so and so got lucky because they just so happened to be in the right place at the right time that's not always that it's often you know work plus a little bit of luck but work in general, when you're working really hard and you're, you, you, you're sticking to what you know, tends to result in successful things. So anyways, that's my rant, Max. Yeah. I don't know if you... Yeah, no, I, in that vein, uh, I will offer up uh, one particular indie game that I played for the first time very recently that also falls within the CRPG genre and doesn't have the production values that... Baldur's Gate 3 has, but does measure up to the greatest RPGs that have been made, and just generally RPGs that have been made in so many ways beyond those production values. It's a game called Disco Elysium. Now, Saib, I know you and I have our disagreements with the developers over their personal ideologies, (laughs) but (laughs) trust me, we do. But the way that game is structured you got to give them credit for being a first-time studio coming together and creating a game that feels so much like a real-life D&D session. Putting that much attention to detail and the way that different responses give you different... like It feels like the, the person that's reading out the text, the, the quote-unquote dungeon master, who is sort of like your internalized psyche in that game, feels like he's actually reacting to you as if you were a real person and all these different other elements coming together that didn't require special technology. It required a vision and hard work. And yeah, sometimes a little bit of luck, but it doesn't play that much of a role. And it's not just limited to that. There are tons of other games out there that are like that. You just have to have the commitment and yeah, basically what you said, Simon. So, yeah. Did you have anything else that uh, you wanted to say on that? No, it's just, it is kind of funny. Uh, They were throwing around this quote from uh, James Holen, 
I hope I say that name right, who was the, one of the co-late lead designers for Baldur's Gate 2. And he said that, you know, in a lot of cases that the stars align for Baldur's Gate 2 in a way that probably won't again, which is funny because the third one of the entry, the next one in the entry, I know it's like 20 years difference, but it bucked what he said. And it's like we had a finished engine that allowed us to focus on content rather than basic functionality. And again, that's the point. The whole time, he nailed it back then. He absolutely nailed this. They had a finished engine that was designed, created, and specialized for that game. And they focused on content creation and creating a world that players could be lost in and enjoy themselves instead of being stuck on trying to recreate functionality with a new engine. And again, if they had just stuck with this evolving thing, yeah, sure, they probably wouldn't need to have jumped to a 3D engine at some point. But if you just spend your time building on that, people people always go, well, what about the, the Epic engine? The Epic engine's been the same engine for a very long time. They just keep improving and changing the code. And so that's, that, that is the point that more, more of these studios should have been at. I don't think that trying to create Anthem was, I think that was probably one of the worst oh, yeah. possible decisions for, for Bioware um, because they just, they just, instead of sitting down to focus on making another Mass Effect instead of shipping it out to Ontario, um, which no offense to anybody who lives in Ontario, but that was probably one of the worst possible decisions for that genre and brand um, possible. <laughs> it was certainly a bad studio choice because you had a bunch of people who did not know what they were doing at all trying to make a thing with an engine that they knew nothing about and anthem was worse i don't know how they made it worse especially what they saw what happened with uh, the other studio but they made it worse by a by a lot by a lot and again a lot of this isn't isn't the responsibility of the devs there it's the responsibility of the dummy leaders at EA who said oh uh, hey we want you to use our proprietary engine oh good is it designed for RPGs no it's designed for FPS games all right so does it have an in-depth skill and um, questing system built into it uh, no those are those just don't exist are we going to be able to get them anytime soon well you'll have to make them yourself we're going to have to make our own tools for this engine that is created for not the game that we're trying to make. Yeah, but it's our it's our best financial choice ever. It's like, oh my god. Again, if if they had instead invested on making that engine just the most accessible, easiest, best engine for making RPGs and then gave it to them, we probably would have like one or two more entries into the Dragon Age universe and we probably could have had a straight run of like you know, seven different drop versions of, of Mass Effect at this point. Mm -hmm. If they had just done that from the from the get-go and just stuck with it, it's like, ah, oh, the, 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 the brain rot of some of these people and the complaints that they say, it's like, you were the people who okayed this <laughs> and then seal clapped when other people okayed it as well. And I know that because I've been to the GDC. I know what goes on there. I know that when some guy comes out and he manages to speak really clear and cool and sell a bunch of people on a stupid idea, quoting sources that he made up on the spot, you get this kind of thing, which fails considerably. And one of the best things that, uh, that Sven has ever done is not listen to those idiots. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and and that's the best thing. And he's passionate, man. And and yeah, we talk about passion. It's like he's the one, uh, dude rents a, a castle and puts on a suit of armor to do a game update. <laughs> he's passionate, man. And and you know, Mooney and I were talking. I, I've I've had a lot of discussion with little birds from Larian recently. And the most recent little bird says said that that Sven has taken um, just enough money to like make his like basic bills over the last like six years making this game. He has invested every cent that he was able to pull out into hiring more people, making the the any purchase that he could to optimize the the creation of the game that they were going for. He has not, and again, I don't know if this is true. A little bird told it to me, and you know how Robins can be, right? You know, sometimes Robins are truthful, sometimes they're liars like Blue Jays. But, you know, this is neither here nor there. But the point is, is that you clearly have a, a, a tremendous leader at Sven when you look at the board of EA, and these people don't even play games. They couldn't even name, like, what one of their franchises is about, let alone like one of the main characters in one of their main franchises. They couldn't even do that. Most of them don't even know who, who you know, hey, who's uh, who's Shepard? They probably go, uh, Shepard who? Uh, Shepard Pie? Yeah, I have. You know, I don't eat that slop that the normal people eat. It's like, oh, okay, you just, you just, you're just an asshole. <laughs> that's, the kind of, that's the kind of insanity that we get from these leaders who just are so re- far removed from the products that they make. Sven is in the in the trenches working on this game every single day. He knows about every he knows pretty good because he, he messes some stuff up when he's like recalling it. You know, he gets turned around. Sure. But that's like piddly little stuff, you know, that's and it's actually quite endearing, honestly. But it's like you try to get Bobby Kotick to run you through uh the latest dungeon that they've released in wow mm-hmm. and i bet you he doesn't even know what like oh no doubt. what's a dungeon yeah. like he doesn't even know what a dungeon <laughs> is most likely I'm not, I'm not saying for sure or not but he probably has no clue about the inner workings of the game let alone the programming yeah and again sven knows everything about the game he knows most of the classes off the top of his head he knows most of the maps off the top of his head why because he's been living and breathing this game for the past six years and he's been as Reportedly, told by a little bird, he has been putting almost every single dime he has into making it more successful. He didn't go buy another yacht so that he could, you know, have an extra three-week vacation. He went and and hired two more people because it would help the Again. current team that was under stress to get their goals done and to add that new feature that he's been wanting to add. That's what we have here. And not these stupid seal clappers who are going, you should have just dumped that and, and gone with the, you know, this new fancier engine. It's like, well, now we're going to see how that goes. And hopefully it sells like through the roof because I think it really does deserve it. Yeah. And I think Starfield deserves it too, because again, well, they could have dropped we'll that engine, yeah. but they didn't. And that's important. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for that. Yep, and it's for that reason that I'm going to buy it. And uh, yeah, let the if it's as amazing as it's looking like it's going to be, then let that be a lesson to the entire uh, development world that when you put that amount of dedication and love into something, it and you have a good leader, things do pay off. All right. Yep. That does it for this episode of Maximum News, guys. I'm a little bit over time, but it was worth it. It's something important that we need to talk about there. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit the like button on this video, because when you do that, it tells the YouTube algorithm that not only this video, but all the other videos on the Triple S podcast channel are worth 
watching. I want to thank Saib, as always, for doing this show with me and providing his insight and his passion. Saib, you want to tell people about the main Triple S League channel before we uh, sign off? Yeah, check out the main Triple S League channel uh, on, on YouTube. We've got a bunch of guys up there, and we're going to be covering a bunch of games. Uh, we're working on some streaming content, too. I know it's been a while since we've had some major updates. It's been one of those summers where we're basically waiting for everything that's going to hit in, like, a few weeks, basically. Yeah. yeah. Basically. God, I can't believe that Starfield's coming out in less than two months. And you yep. guys can just find me on all the regular forms of social media, just at Max Darrett. I'll put links to that and side stuff in the description box below. I'm out. Stay yellow. Bye.